Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Listen, you've heard my hashtag, different, better, more. What will you do differently, better, or more of in 2023? Some of you have already committed to healing from grief by working with me and my non-clinical approach to grief recovery and support. But for those of you who want to round out your healing with a clinical approach, there's BetterHelp and their network of over 25,000 licensed therapists. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether that's by text, by chat, phone, or even video. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, with more scheduling flexibility and at a much more affordable price. Use this link to get 10% off your first month. BetterHelp.com forward slash C words. That's better H-E-L-P com forward slash c words oh those effing c words changing confidence child two words that are so scary they may as well be personal let's talk about it on this podcast we'll share our stories about hardship and starting over making professional pivots ending relationships and friendships and having the confidence to navigate change I'm Marcia Cork, the change coach, and this is Ooh, Those Effing C-Words. MCs, welcome back to another episode of Ooh, Those Effing C-Words. I am Marcia Cork, and I am here with the woman behind the scene. Yes, I said that right, behind the scene, because when you look at the amazing talent on some of your favorite network TV shows, and the beautifully curated ensembles of cast members, you're also looking at the work of casting director Thea Washington. Now, Thea has some big titles under her belt, ABC's The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Big Brother, HBO's We Own This City, Oprah Winfrey Network's Ready to Love, and many, many more in her decade plus career. And today we have the pleasure of hearing her story firsthand and really getting the behind the scenes for, you know, the grit and the wherewithal that it takes to be a Black woman and pursue an unconventional career in TV and film. All right. So I know you're as ready to hear this story as I am. So Thea, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And what a lovely introduction. Oh, great. Thank you for being here. I am so excited to hear this, all the background. So I like these conversations to take a past, present, future kind of format. Um, you know, when we reflect, when we really sit still and think about our past, our childhood, there's always something. There's some life event. There's someone we were exposed to. There's some type of hardship that brings us to the work that we do today, you know, that shapes the work that we want to get into. So that's why I like to have those conversations. My podcast is about change. It's about navigating change. Sometimes we're forced into change and sometimes it takes, you know, it's a beautiful plot twist. So that's where I want to start. I want to hear about little Thea growing up in what Baltimore and New York, 
and the stories that shaped you and drove the work that you do today? Oh, okay. <laughs> so I would say if it starts from childhood, I would say my first um, inspiration or motivation would be my mother. Uh, I know everybody says that, but listen, my mom was really cool and her job was super cool, but I didn't realize it at that time. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like if my mom was a dentist, I'd be like, yes, I want to be the best dentist I can be just like my mom. Possibly. Mm -hmm. Maybe not. But my mother was um, an executive in the music industry. So I grew up like okay. on tours and going to um, Teen Summit, you know, yeah, or I remember Teen Summit. Uh -huh. Yes. Like <laughs> meeting famous people. And back then we didn't have Facebook and Instagram. So I've come back to school with all these fantastical stories that, yeah. you know, they were normal to me. But everybody's like, oh, you're lying, you're lying, you're lying. And I'm like, no, for real. Like, my mom said I can't bring the pictures to school, whatever. But, um, you know, eventually one time she brought Boys to Men and it was a group ABC and BBD to my school. Yes, yes. So, like, <laughs> I wasn't lying. Hey, but, you know, then I went to another school. But just having, you know, my mom and all her friends just being so glamorous, beautiful in the, yeah. the music industry, but handling, like, male-dominated normal work mm -hmm. in a way that definitely um, inspired me. Um, was she supportive of a career in entertainment? Hell no. Oh, okay. should I curse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, you're all good. That's, those are sure. my words. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, no. My mother wanted something totally different. And I think she could see the writing on the wall because the music industry, when especially when Napster came about, mm -hmm. uh, it took a different decline. And then, like, back in her day, it was, like, Luther and Janet Jackson and Whitney Houston. Oh, I want to dance. Like, happy music. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, she had a job with Loud Records, which, which had big pun. I'm not a player. I just F a lot. Okay. Um, and it had um, Wu-Tang Clan and, yeah. you know, all these different people. And she was like, oh, this ain't it. I don't yeah. want myself to Take grow up on this. Mind mm -hmm. you. I knew every word for word, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, back then, like I see my son and his friends, they like look at the lyrics and stuff and mm -hmm. they have it up for them so they can sing along. Listen, we had to do hard work. We had to rewind and write it down and all that stuff. Write it down. Yeah. <laughs> we did get to the point of the CDs and then sometimes having the lyrics inside. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. That was my favorite part. Like opening, I would read yeah. thing. but yes. Um, no, she was not. She probably wanted anything other than entertainment um, okay. because it, it did start to get kind of dark and sketchy. And, you know, she came out for the most part um, unscathed. But you don't want your kid growing up in entertainment. I mean, you know, working in entertainment because it doesn't yeah. it doesn't always equal um, sustainable. Sustainable success. It's mm -hmm. not always the glitz and the glam that it is to the outside world. She's, you know, exposed to the darker side, I suppose, of the entertainment industry and mm -hmm. wanted to spare you from that. Yeah. Yeah. And she ran to Jesus and, you know, it became HBO is hell's best offer and the uh, Cinemax is sending to the max. So it was just like, <laughs> no. yeah, but I did it anyway. So that's interesting because, you know, I don't want to uh, take the shine off of you, but it's pretty impressive that even your mom had a career in the entertainment industry. Can we spend a few minutes on that? What, really? how, did, 
How did she get into entertainment? Um, I think that one day, like my mom, even my dad and my mother are both entertainment. Um, mm -hmm. And they never were married. Um, they actually don't really like each other. But my dad will always say, your mom is just the most beautiful woman in East and West Baltimore. Like even to this day, he can't stand mm -hmm. her. But he will give her her prize. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she looked like Pam Greer and she would see mm -hmm. people like hanging up posters and stuff. And I think she just like, because she's beautiful and it's something about a Baltimore girl. Like you think that they're pretty on the inside and that's it, but they have personality. They have mm -hmm. like, you know, the je ne sais quoi, like we ain't been nowhere, but we have class sometimes like we have. <laughs> so, um, she kind of had that and she okay. worked at mm -hmm. Loud, RCA, EMI, Motown, all those things. And I got to learn on the fly. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's how I got she got started. And was she in Baltimore at the time? Um, in Baltimore, New York, um, everywhere. Yeah. Say so if she was growing up in New York, that would make sense. You know, for oh, no, for, she, for... she didn't grow up in Baltimore. I mean, she didn't grow up in New York. She definitely is from Baltimore, West Baltimore. Yeah. Sure. So it just doesn't strike me. I always say, you know, in a lot of these conversations, I end up talking about how the D.C. area is just so government driven. You know, there, you you almost grow up here and get yourself a good government job. Mm -hmm. Right. You so, yeah. So I'm always impressed just uber impressed when I hear people from this area who have these very unconventional careers because it's just not, we're not indoctrinated into those types of jobs and even into entrepreneurship. I have very few examples of entrepreneurship growing up. So, mm -hmm. so that makes sense. So you already have two parents in the inter inter entertainment industry she has already gotten the miracle that is <laughs> an unconventional career herself. So I can see you just kind of falling in line with it. So she's steering you clear initially. Was there anything else that you thought about pursuing or was it always? Well, I had every job in a book. Mm -hmm. Like, well, first I thought I was going to be like Diddy in the music industry. Like that's okay. what I wanted. And I got my first job at Sony um, at, I think I was 19 and okay. I worked there for like five years while I was in school um, as a, First, I was a college marketing rep, and then they just made us um, urban marketing reps, and then we were just mm -hmm. marketing reps. Um, and it was it was the most amazing job. Like we, it was maybe like fifteen of us in the whole entire state, and I mean not state, but the entire um, U.S. And okay. we were oh. all promoting the music together, um, picking up the artists, doing the itineraries, taking them to record stores, taking them. Um, to the radio stations and all the different things. And it was just, I just, we just felt like the Avengers, you know, mm -hmm. like we were the luckiest people and you paid us to do this. And yeah. we were young and they would fly us out to New York and stuff. And a lot of us are still in contact, but um, that was one of my first jobs. Then I got a good old government job. Okay. So you <laughs> did do that. <laughs> one whole year and I always say they invited me to leave. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, I work for the jury clerk, um, well, the, the court system in Baltimore. Um, okay. The district, was it the district court? I'm not sure. Um, but it's on Coward Street. I worked there. Okay. You had to do jury duty. You had to see me. And I had all these great ideas on how we can make it, you know, a more smooth, um, like, situation for jury mm -hmm. duty. You know, they, um, they started implementing Twitter for certain businesses. So I created this proposal called a meeting like, hey, everybody, 
I have some ideas. Mm -hmm. We can make this more effective if we use this thing called the Twitter and social media. Because I was like, (laughs) I was looking people up to see if they were lying or not. And I'm like, you know, we can use social media. Uh They were like, bye. (laughs) Like, I think the next day after I called the meeting, um, I got asked to leave, fired. Um, and then wow. I started working um, for my mom and her label. She eventually okay. got a label under Universal. Um, and I also worked for my friend, Tracy Stafford, who was a huge concert promoter. Um, and we did lots of tours, rap tours. Um, okay. Back then it was like Lil Wayne and Gucci Mane. So I did like a lot of the stage production or getting their red M&Ms and putting them on there and just seeing their what? Getting getting their red M and M's like some people just want some red M and M's and getting their oh uh, okay this is that list that they always say artists require like mm-hmm. in the green room and on tour and things like that all of the all of their essentials the yes. must haves okay I got you. yes okay. it's called their riders okay their riders okay so those are the ride alongs to their contract agreements well the the contract is called the rider okay. Um, and so you have to get all those things. And I remember mm-hmm. one time, I think the first time we had a concert with Lil Wayne, I like took my job so seriously, mm-hmm. got everything like perfect. And he never got off his tour bus to go to the room that <laughs> I prepared. So, yeah. But that was okay. Fun. And so you mentioned that you were doing this in college. Mm-hmm. Or but you this said is cool. Okay. Yeah. So, so how did you get that? How did you get that opportunity um, at school? And this is in Hampton? Well, when I was doing the tours and stuff like that, that was mm-hmm. after college. That was, and I, I did go to Hampton, but um, this was after my first good government job yeah. and all of that. After they let me go, um, I would tour with my mother's gospel artist and on the side when my friend would have a show, because promoters don't have shows every week. They have them like maybe once a month, once mm-hmm. every two months, I would do shows with her, okay. um, just being like support and all of that. Um, but the Sony stuff was definitely in college and after. So. Okay. And so how do you get those opportunities? Because I want to also have people know where to start. So if you're in college and you are already, you know, you already have your sets, your sights set on a career in entertainment, how do you get these types of internships and opportunities? Listen, definitely go on LinkedIn, go on staffmeup.com. Mm-hmm. Um, when your school has stuff, go and meet people, shake hands, don't be weird. Um, follow up with people. That's the best Mm -hmm. thing you can do is follow up and be consistent. It's a fine line between being, um, consistent, persistent, and annoying. Mm -hmm. Um, and I I think when you're a kid, it don't matter. You know, they're like, okay, but just know that, um, a lot of these people that are in these positions that you're looking up to, they don't got their stuff together. So (laughs) mentorship goes both ways. You know, if I'm going to mentor you and impart, wisdom on you. What can you help me with? Can you help that person with social media? Can you, you know, volunteer at their book thing and help them sell books? Can you help Mm -hmm. them, you know, just, just volunteer and let them know like, Hey, I would love to work with you. I'm not trying to take your client. I'm not trying to be you. I just Mm -hmm. would like to, you know, see what it is that you do. You know, if you're young now, if you're an adult, you might have to get a consultant. Cause um, okay. you know, people were like, oh, can you mentor me? And I'm like, Miss Ma'am, you know, <laughs> I'm not gonna teach you what I do, so you can take me out. We ain't doing that. And you know, 
I will mentor kids and impart wisdom. I'll impart wisdom on anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, you never, you can learn from anyone and you never stop learning. And there are certain things. Yeah. Um, But I think that people don't understand, like as interns, you have to be the president of the intern. Don't be trying to overstep everybody. Um, Because that's Mm -hmm. the way to get um, invited to leave. (laughs) Yes. And then also you don't want, because I've had so many nightmare employees and a lot of amazing ones too. I love y'all. Hi, Ryan. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've had a lot of nightmare ones that will create a whole empire off of stuff that you have taught them, you have done, you know, they'll try to reach out to your clients. Like I had, I had an assistant on the HBO show pop up and, be on a panel and say she was the executive thing, the executive casting director for HBO. And I'm like, wow, girl, you weren't even a good assistant at that. And you're on a panel publicly. Like, no. Wow. I'm not even even in your presence. Huh? And this is even in your presence that this is happening. You didn't know that I saw the flyer Um, because we have parted ways and she popped up and I was like, this was our assistant. Yeah. She's not an executive casting director. She's not even a casting director. Um, and I've had people like steal my stuff and, you know, try to do consulting and teach courses and stuff like that. So if you are looking to shift or pivot and you want guidance from someone um, other than me, I think that you should definitely let them know that you will, you know, sign some type of non-compete. You know, you will sign an NDA. You will not try to take any of their clients. You will not try to do what they do, at least in this market. So maybe reach out to someone who does what you want to do in a different market. Or maybe you can add value to them and let them know, like, look, you show me what you want to do or how you do it. Mm -hmm. And I will assist you, you know, and I will help Mm -hmm. grow your business and we can bring more people in because that's how you grow a company. But people have to like you and they have to trust you. And I don't trust a lot of people. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, these are these are some great points. And it is a very slippery slope when it comes to that type of mentorship and providing that type of guidance. You know, I, I've heard lots of mentors say um, that eventually the mentor becomes the mentee or, or the teacher becomes the student mm-hmm. eventually. And that's because, you know, there's there's this relationship of learning and then learning through teaching. You know, people always say, even teachers, the reason why you stay so informed is because you always have one foot in both worlds. You know, yeah. you are you are learning as you go along. So there's something great that can come out of these mentor-mentee relationships and these, you know, teacher-student relationships. But again, tricky because you're also um, connecting people, connecting them within your circle. And, mm-hmm. and you know, giving this type of guidance that does expose them to people that they wouldn't have been exposed to otherwise. And then maybe there is some risk of forming relationships and you being left out of the loop. So that is, I'm glad you say that because there is a way to navigate this without bringing harm and severing relationships. So it's good that you mentioned that. Some people and, and check references because I'd be like, oh, they seem so nice. Oh my God. And I don't, I'm so busy. So I don't think people are psycho liars. So I believe what people say, but check references if nothing yeah. else, like especially the people that are in position. Um, 
you know, do your homework, have conversations with the references, shoot, even network with the references if they good. Yeah. Um, and then also keep your stuff separate, like just give some, you know, relinquish, like, you know, and just have good communication with them. And when they take something else on, but it's like, you, it, it's an art to it. Um, mm -hmm. I've, I've worked with one of my colleagues. We partnered on a project before and I was like, you have all these assistants and you know, you run like a, a tight oil machine. What I didn't know was that they are all on FaceTime for 10 hours a day. So she sees what everyone is doing. If someone takes a break, they might have their camera. I was like, oh, I ain't doing that. Oh, okay. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. a virtual type of environment and she virtual. has insight into what they're doing all day long. All day long. All day mm. long. So she must have been burned. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, that makes that is that is a very good suggestion to have conversations about non-compete. What does this relationship look like and where do you want to go? How do you want to apply this knowledge and where do you want to take it? Because you are going to have, there's you, if you're, if you even reach out to somebody for mentorship and guidance, it's because this is the field, this is the line of work that you're interested in. So there is going to be, you know, some murky waters to navigate. So yeah, Absolutely. great tip. Thank you for that. Okay. So we, we've gotten up to the point of you working at this point with Sony, where does it get to the point where you see this is something that you can do for yourself and you pivot out of music and into well, film and casting? It took a while for me to get there, but I work okay. for an amazing woman, Jermaine Leffridge. She was, I pivoted into beauty. Um, okay. Mm -hmm. So I work for the top brokerage firm in the multicultural African-American space. Um, for beauty. So I work for a lot of products that I grew up using from Luster to Talia Wajid, um, Ambi Skincare, um, ORS, all that stuff. So I okay. work for a woman who's in Columbia, Maryland. Um, she is the reason why those products are in the Targets, the Walmarts, the CVSs. Oh, wow. And I eventually gained a lot of trust um, where I was doing a lot of things that her senior executives were doing and mm -hmm. you know as a young kid I probably was like maybe 25 to me that's a kid um I was flying on planes I was setting up um trade shows and mm -hmm. doing um doing like um presentations for for new brands and and finding other brands to present and doing the planograms and just doing so much mm -hmm. and I was like, wow, she really trusts me to do all this and I'm doing it well. So it helped build up my confidence by doing it for someone else. Okay. And um, I was like, I think I want to open a thrift store and <laughs> me quitting to open a thrift store kind of led me into styling, um, which I had a very, I think a pretty successful styling career. My work is in the African-American museum. I was signed to an agent. I did wow. by Jerry commercials. My I did covers and magazines from money magazine and um, house and house and beautiful. Okay. I've done quite a stuff in that arena, but I was like, you know, styling is cool, but how do I get a consistent check? Like mm -hmm. I love this work. And so I stumbled on a true crime show as a stylist. And very underpaid, 
Um, the casting director quit and I always, no matter where I was, even when I was in the beauty industry, I loved to hire my friends and put them on. Even in the music, I loved to hire them and put them on. Okay. So it kind of always like the same. So I was like, oh, I can do that. You know, casting, I do that all the time. And mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, yeah. So from there, I took on the role of styling and casting and I was grossly underpaid it was a show on the Reels Network it was the first season of copycat mm-hmm. killers I think they're on like season 15 or 20 by now but um yeah so that was basically like my film school um because I ended up doing not just that sometimes I would have to help with locations I would have to mm-hmm. um, help hire the crew and just do all this stuff and to me I was like wow this is going to be on real TV. I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And if I can just get through this. I'm really going to rock out. And so I did. And that led to me um, getting referrals for other shows. And they were like, yeah, you just have to cast. That's it. And I was like, one thing. Okay. I get paid that much. Okay. And I learned that I was grossly underpaid, but I just loved it so much. Um, so that's how are you getting casting credit for that true crime show at the time? I got casting and wardrobe. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let me some let me connect the dots then. So because it sounds like you've worn a lot of hats, even in, in, in every industry, you did a little bit of everything, which is probably what made you qualified for the next opportunity. Mm-hmm. So you're starting out as a role similar to what sounds like marketing rep and things like that in the music industry, and then being able to take that and pivot into, you said beauty from there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so then from beauty into styling, deciding to open your own thrift store, and then from the styling to casting director and to, to, to casting. And that was mainly because of your experience being able to hire talent to support the other roles and projects that you were working on. So I have to say, there's also a lot of confidence that comes in this. You know, we talk about imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and, and how women seem to suffer from that the most. <laughs> so there's also confidence in this that you feel um, polished and professional enough to say, yes, I can do this and then be willing to make that pivot. Because for a lot of people, what stops them is them feeling like they aren't immersed enough in that environment already or doing the work that they want to do, having enough um, of a skill set to make that pivot. So I love that you've been able to consistently transfer that knowledge and that skill set into another environment. You you were all what you always had that confidence. Just yes. I um, gonna get I that. felt like so like even when I was like in high school, I just felt like I was going to do something important. Mm-hmm. This is a waste of my time. Like, I, I just, I don't know. And then seeing people that were mediocre in high positions, I think that gave me my yeah. confidence. And um, I was reading the book by Rachel Rogers, I believe, We Should All Be Millionaires. And she was saying that the statistics show that men will be so underqualified and will go for a position. Women mm-hmm. will see one thing that they're not qualified for and will pass it up. But yep. You know, after that imposter syndrome, shoot, yes. there's been a couple of cases I was the imposter. Like when I got my first um, bartending gig, I realized I was a terrible waitress, but I was like, <laughs> I can do that. Get double the money st- sitting in one place. 
Somebody called out. I was like, yeah, I do that all the time. Let me do that. Listen, okay. terrible bartender. Yes. Um, did everyone get drunk? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, and did I learn along the way? Yes. Um, so I think like if people like you and trust you mm-hmm. a little bit, mm-hmm. um, you could do you could do anything. And if you have the withdrawal to um, figure it out. And yeah. right now we have Google, we have YouTube, we have all these different resources. So yep. I say, don't say no, just say, um, sure, let me get back to you. Yeah. Um, or let me let me see the scope of work and you better go and research every damn thing. Yes. Call some people, get consultants, do whatever you got to do, like figure it out because mm-hmm. there is so much opportunity out here and you shouldn't be able to tell yourself no to an opportunity before someone else does. Yes, I love that. I love that. Okay, so we've talked about the wins. It seems like you've been able to successfully thread into any field that you, you know, set your sights on. Any hardships, any challenges breaking in anywhere? All the time. Because like, I mean, some days I'm like, I don't want to say it's like drug dealer money, but (laughs) what am I good for? One of my good friends, Sarah, like I heard her say, You're putting her name out there too. Yeah, okay. She's not in drug dealer money. But okay, okay. She said something that kind of like changed my perspective. She was just like, Her name is Sarah Stusak. Um, She said that, wait, they offered me to come in for um, it. was a nice company too. They, they offered me to come in for an interview. I was like, Wow, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And what role, whatever. And she was like, uh, I'm not doing it. And I was like, what? She was like, number one, nobody gets to tell me how much I get to make. And number two, I'm not coming in every day. I don't know them people. I don't know even know if I like them damn people. And I was mm. like, oh, I like that. Mm. So the struggle is like some days it's drug dealer money. And then some days it's like crackhead money, <laughs> you know? Okay. So, okay. you know, sometimes you have like an amazing season. Like for, I, mm-hmm. I would say I, I had an amazing um, run these past three years, like just okay. booked nonstop or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm okay now. I'm on a show now. I have a possible show coming up, but to be like so crazy booked where mm-hmm. the money is so amazing. It's so great. You don't have to look for a job. I don't market. I don't, well, I haven't been, I, I haven't had to market, um, but it's like sometimes you got to start at square one again. So you got to reach out like, hey, it was great working with you last year. Just like, you know, I'm in the area. Hey, um, I'm still casting stuff because people will think that you won't do commercials anymore because they see you on film or mm. you're doing reality. They think like, oh, she doesn't do local stuff or, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm hitting up every single person I have made money with. Mm-hmm. And hey, I'm here. What's up? So, you know. That part and with it having to go get it, um, I guess that's a challenge because you're yeah. working, but then you still have to do the outreach. So, yeah. Okay. So what does go get it look like? Go oh, get it. Out. Yeah. Um, you said starting out or just yeah. now? Um, let's, say, let's say both because I want to hear your story and then I want to hear the wisdom that you impart on others <laughs> for, for breaking through themselves. Okay. Well, this could kind of be like a two for one. So like I said, we have YouTube and we have Google. So 
let's say you are an actor, use Google and look up every single um, casting director and send them an email and create a database and a list of everybody that you've reached out to. Take a note, you know, make a, a personal note, like don't blast them out. I hate when people will send me a text with all these other casting directors, some I like, some of them I don't want to have my number. Um, so just just get busy, you know, go and and I hate to say network, but reach out, go mm -hmm. on people's pages, like do some research. What movie did you like? Go and look up to see who is the hiring person on that, who was the producer, who was the casting director, and then go and see if they have a LinkedIn. Hit them up on LinkedIn. Yeah. Hit them up on um, Instagram as long as they don't say don't slide on my DMs or this mm -hmm. is people that know me for real. Mm -hmm. Reach out, send them an email, let them know that, hey, I'm in the area. Let me know if you have something that's going on. And then take that same list and reach out to it quarterly. And I'm sure if you don't get something, you know, within the first month, you will get something, you know, eventually. So um, doing that has kind of been a big help for me. Okay. Um, as far as the outreach on the slow time, hiring help. Um, automating stuff has been helpful. Um, you know, saying no a lot <laughs> is very helpful because if you say yes to something, you know, you might have to say no to something else. Okay. And, um, just making sure that you are true to yourself and you know yourself because I, I had a zoom with someone and I felt really sad when I got off of it because I'm like, I'm not doing background casting anymore because it's just so stressful. It's a lot. So tell me about that. What's background casting? Background casting is creating an atmosphere for different television shows, movies, um, you know, digital media, whatever you may see. Anybody that's in the background that does not have um, a principal role or a speaker. Oh, okay. Okay. People that um, have lines, they're considered principal or day players and anybody else in the background. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have background so those are the extras, I used to hear that word. Yes. Okay. They're extras. Um, and if you don't have extras or background, you, you really just have a stage play, you know? So they yeah. create the atmosphere, they make it real. And okay. you know, it's just it's very strenuous. Um, on a couple of projects, the one with um the Obama's production company, um, Rustin that comes out soon, mm -hmm. has mm -hmm. two thousand people in a short amount of time. And two thousand extras. 2,000 extras. Okay. And that's hard because you're really starting with 10,000 because one, you have to make sure that the schedule works. And then if it's a period piece, which it was, mm -hmm. it was called Bayard Rustin and Martin Luther King and all of that. Um, you have to make sure that they fit the clothing. And for some mm -hmm. reason, all the clothing back in the day was small. I think we were smaller. We didn't have the supersized McDonald's and all that stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So you have to make sure that people fit into those clothing. So that brings you down even more. Then you have to make sure they understand that, okay, I have to show up to um, my different COVID tests. You know, they have to show up to their fitting. Oh, you have yeah. to make sure that if it's a period piece that they don't show up with, you know, a lace front wig or um, blonde hair or modern tattoos and things like that. Like, yeah, it's a lot. It's very strenuous um, for We Own the City. I believe that was on HBO. We did 5,000 at the minimum. And that was taxing. 
that was taxing. And how many actually get selected out of the 5,000? 5, 5,000 were selected, but I okay. think that we probably started with 20,000 maybe. That is crazy. Get to that number. And it, it was a lot. And people are in your DMs and they're texting you. They're yeah. calling you on your Facebook. They're on. And, you know, I didn't get picked. And it's a lot. Yeah. Getting it from. So I, I basically retired. I only do local casting, which is the people um, that didn't come in from L.A. or New York, you know, that are like celebrity, but they still have speaking roles. I'll do that. I'll okay. do commercials. I'll do reality, but I cannot have everybody in Baltimore that that know me since kindergarten reaching out. <laughs> it is mentally, emotionally, physically taxing. Like yes, it's, and so then ten thousand people and a team of how many to field all of these incoming requests and questions and headshots and all of that. Okay, so um, we on the city. I think it was like. Three of us with my mediocre assistant, the one that um, was like single white female, mm. and we hired someone else. So, yeah. So we had wow. four at the maximum. And that's and, and it goes so fast. So you yeah. have to keep casting, keep. And then if they don't show up to a COVID test, you have to start again. Yeah. And make sure that you have someone that you can disguise as this part. Like it's. No, thank you. <laughs> but it does sound like a good entry point, though. So if uh, all of the exper experienced seasoned veteran, you know, casting directors have now backed away from background casting because it's a lot of work, someone who is who wants to enter that field and is, you know, hungry and has the hustle, that okay. could be their entry point. Do it. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, that, that is a lot. And then there's no controls that you can put in place because those are all of the methods that you need people to reach out to you. So like, you know, on social media, you want people to be able to to contact you for casting purposes, but then you can't control then the incessant follow up questions and yeah, checking so it. yeah I, would, I would direct people to and I would I still have the automated message on my dad on social media. But I would direct everybody to the inbox so that way me or my casting partner or one of the um, one of our team members can respond because it's okay. just, you know, stuff falls be below the loop. Like I might not okay. see it, you know, so I just direct everybody to the email. OK. And how much time generally do you have on a project to cast? It just depends. So okay. I usually like to have um, one month worth of prep which will consist of me promoting it, getting the word out, seeing who I have, seeing who's available, seeing who fits the different roles and doing a breakdown and, you know, seeing what we need on which day and what the wardrobe mm -hmm. needs and um, creating a different packet, creating a packet for background or whoever it is, whatever project. Um, so that way they know what to do for hair. What are the do's? What are the don'ts? You know, getting the language approved that I use in social media and on the, the casting websites, knowing what we can use and what we can't. Um, you know, sometimes I try to help out prop cards by posting their stuff so my actors can get a bump up with pay um, if they get the the prop cards. So now what's that prop? prop so there are so many different ways you can get paid. Um, you can use your location like your home. Sometimes 
productions want to film in your home. That could be an extra $500 to $1,000 for you, um, depending on the, the production. Cars. People think, oh, I don't have a fancy car. It doesn't matter. So we're creating real life. So you might get an extra $100 for your Toyota mm -hmm. to be on set, just parked. You might, if it oh. becomes a um, hero car, which means like the stars, the one that the star drives, mm -hmm. we get $500 a day. Um, There's a term for that? Mm -hmm. A hero car? Wow, mm -hmm. look at that. Yep. Um, so it's just a lot of different, um, ways to make money as mm -hmm. an actor. And I always say, you know, if you have, if you're doing a family submission, use your real family, if they will do it and act right and not embarrass okay. you, like submit your real family, submit your house. Like, Hey, I don't know if you guys need a location, but this is my home. You're welcome to film here. Um, we also have cars. I don't know what the creative looks like, but um, you know, you're welcome to use my car as a prop car if needed. There you go. Hmm. Okay, so do the do the reality stars get paid in this way? Does that up their earning potential by shooting in their home? And hold up, good question, right? But this is where we're gonna pause. Stay tuned for that response and the rest of this conversation next week because there's always some tips and juicy stories in part two. See you then. You know what, MCs? The audio is just part of the podcast experience. Sometimes you need the facial expressions, the hand gestures, you need to see our faces so the jokes land. So head on over to my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash the at sign, it's Marcia Cork, right now to watch the visuals alongside these episodes. You can enjoy newly available video of my past episodes and subscribe so you can get notified as soon as this episode becomes available next week. So that's youtube.com forward slash at it's Marcia Cork. And don't forget to like, subscribe and share. See you there. Bye-bye. Ooh, Those FNC Words is an independently produced podcast produced and edited by yours truly, Marcia Cork, and made possible with support from listeners like you. To support the podcast, go to anchor.fm forward slash those FNC words forward slash support or click the link in the show description. If you've made a commitment to self-care in 2023, join my free Hashtag different, better, more challenge on Slack. Come for the accountability, stay for the community. Download the Slack app now and click the link in the show description to join.